From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is, wait, wait, don't tell me, the NPR News Quiz. Open up your anniversary card, everybody. There's a crisp dollar bill in there for you. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chicago Theater in Chicago, Illinois, Peter Sagan. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. We have got a great show for you today, and I know I always say that, but this time I am not lying. Today, we are celebrating Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me's 20th birthday. It's true. That means just one more year of having to ask Morning Edition to buy our booze. So, today, our 20th anniversary spectacular from the stage of the beautiful Chicago Theater in downtown, checking my notes, Chicago. <laughs> now, we couldn't decide which panelists we should invite on for this show, so we just invited all of them. If you have a favorite, they'll be here. And if there's one you hate, well, wait a minute, we'll swap them out for somebody else. It's a party with all our friends, and that includes you, so give us a call. The number is one wait wait That's one 888 Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Jasmine Dorothy Hafner in New York City. In New York City, and what do you do there? Um, I'm an actor and a chess tutor for kids. A chess tutor for kids? Indeed, it's more interesting of the two, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you chess tutor to support your acting? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And what do you do to support your chest tutoring? That's a good question. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Jasmine. You're going to be playing Who's Bill this time. And joining us for the game are our panelists, Roy Blunt Jr., Peter Gross, and Paula Poundstone. After 20 years, I'm pretty sure you know how this works. Bill Curtis is going to recreate for you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. The voice of your choice from our show. And you'll hear all of them on your voicemail. You ready to play? Yep. All right, Jasmine. Your first quote is from former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci. He's an intentional liar. It's very different than just being a liar, liar. <laughs> <laughs> That was Mr. Scaramucci trying to defend, yes, defend, whom? Hmm. 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 Was it President Trump? It was, Jasmine. <laughs> what an amazing wild guess. Uh, you really have to give Donald Trump credit. He is to lying what Charles Lindbergh was to flying. Ooh. Nobody else would dare go that far. <laughs> According to the people whose job it is to keep track of the president's lies, their life is a living hell, and they pray for the sweet release of death. <laughs> also, the president is lying far more in the run-up to the midterms than he ever has before. For example, just in the last week, he claimed Congress was doing a 10% tax cut before the election when they are not even in session. He said the Saudi arms deal he's so excited about will create one million jobs and that his children would love him even if he was not paying them. <laughs> picky, picky, picky. Yeah, I know. He's just going to go out and we'll give a speech and be like, I am Ronald Reagan. <laughs> No, I am. Please vote for me. And, and maybe the best Trump lie yet, in reaction to the New York Times saying that he was sharing classified information on unsecured iPhones, Trump tweeted, that was a lie from an iPhone. <laughs> it's like, who are you going to believe, me or me? Yeah. I'll be honest, I've been listening to his calls. Really? Yeah. 
What's he been saying, Paula? Oh my God, the Chinese must be so bored. <laughs> I thought also they were like uh, Russian and Chinese spies are listening in and I thought like I literally thought like oh he's probably just calling Russian spies <laughs> like that's why they're listening. <laughs> it's yeah. very easy to listen to a phone call that you're on the other end of. If you just say whatever comes to mind and it doesn't matter whether and nobody believes it's true you don't have to deny it. It's great. I can sing you quickly my plausible deniability song. Please. Yes. Say you've been cheating on your diet or you went out and started a riot. All you have to do is just deny it. Deniability, you don't have to have no humility if you've got deniability. And remember, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> Jasmine, Jasmine, your next quote is from a commenter on NewYorkTimes.com. If I was going to have my life ruined, I would prefer it to be done by a $1.6 billion. Thank you. That was somebody hoping, in vain, that they would win what? The lottery. Yes, the Mega Millions lottery that happened this week. Somebody in South Carolina bought a lottery ticket and won $1.6 billion. And all we can say is, please, please do not let it be Lindsey Graham. <laughs> It's the largest lottery prize ever won by a single person, and if that person is listening, have I ever told you you look fantastic? <laughs> How would that person be listening to the radio right now? That person is, uh, has flown off in his or her private plane. They're at a beach now where you don't get the radio. Really? Yeah. That is a very quick purchase of a private I was about to plane. say, because <laughs> I believe they won it on Tuesday night. Yeah, so yeah, well. Tuesday win it, Wednesday private plane, Thursday beach. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, what they had done is they'd already, they had a good feeling. So they had already gone to the airplane store and yeah. they said, look, <laughs> I don't have it right now, but on Tuesday, I should have over a billion dollars. <laughs> I, how, I don't know how the lottery works. How, how, do they, how does the pot build up and how do they decide like when they go, no, we're picking it now? Well, it's a lottery that they, the more people buy tickets, the bigger the pot comes. And if, and if nobody wins it on a given week, they just roll over all the money. So the pot gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So they pick each week? Yeah. Twice oh. a week. Oh, they pick twice a week? Yeah. yeah. Nobody oh. won. Nobody won. Yeah. Oh. Picture so, like a big pile of money, and it's like one dollar goes in, yeah. and then another dollar goes in, and then that happens 1.6 billion times. <laughs> did, did you guys buy any tickets? I did. My I son did. forced me to buy uh, several tickets because Ooh. he thought it was like very possible. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I bought a ticket and then I went straight to an airplane store, and yeah. I said, ah. Uh, now you're stuck with an airplane. Yeah, yeah. no, I did that once. And they were like, we don't have any left. The other guy came and he took our <laughs> one airplane. Jasmine, here is your last quote, and it's about somebody who got let go by NBC this week. Mm. Mm. Who could have seen this coming? Except for anyone who knew anything about her career. That was... Mm. The New York Times' James Ponowazek asking the tough question after NBC announced it was letting go of whom? Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly, yes! It was just last year that Megyn Kelly left Fox News, where she was known as a fierce interviewer with a strong personality who was only occasionally racist. And she joined NBC, where they hoped that maybe she would dial it down to never racist, but no. This week, she casually commented that she didn't see anything wrong with white people putting on blackface for Halloween, because they're trying to be accurate. 
And as we all know, accuracy is the most important aspect of your Halloween costume. No sexy nurses without at least a Bachelor of Science in nursing and a master's in sexiness. I think also, like, she definitely knew what she was saying because she said it and then couched it with like, or black people wearing whiteface. Like yes, that is are, a yeah. problem that is like <laughs> on unrelated, un, like spoken about or something for years. Yeah. Uh, she's being removed from the air, but due to her contract, she'll still be paid $69 million. So now there are two ways to do nothing and get rich, win mega millions or go on NBC and give a shout out to minstrelsy. Mm. Wow, That's she like, gets $69 million? Yeah. The hell have I been doing for the last 17 years? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to feel a little bad for her because she, of course, alienated conservatives when, by leaving Fox News on bad terms with the president. And, of course, she's incensed liberals. What do you do if you're a broadcaster and nobody wants to hear from you? Megan Kelly, congratulations on your new podcast. <laughs> Does Breitbart have a morning show? <laughs> she can do that. <laughs> The Morning Zoo with Adolf and Eva, is that what you mean? <laughs> Bill, how did Jasmine do in our quiz? 3-0, uh, and oh, she did very well. Congratulations, Jasmine, thank you so much. You've won thank our prize, you. the voice of anyone you like on our voicemail. Thanks for playing. Right now, it's time for some questions about the week's news, and the panel we're playing with now is Maz Jobrani, Roxanne Roberts, and Tom Bodette. Tom, a question for you. Tom, if everything goes according to plan, in 2022, you'll be able to book a luxury cruise on what new ship? Um, God, I was going to say, like, the Disneyland, but I think they, that's already at sea, right? Yeah. That ship has sailed, as they say. Uh, <laughs> I, I just thought of that. So it's 20, 20 years of practice, 13 in my Bring me uh, out a new panelist, please. Yeah, right. No, wait, wait, wait. Um, it's got to be something special. Yes. I need, I need, it's so special. I, it's very one special. of a kind. I, I need a hint. Uh, it's, well, this, sh this ship will take you near, far, wherever you are. Oh, my God. Uh, they're going to launch the Titanic? Yes, they are. <laughs> Although, technically... It's the Titanic 2. <laughs> if you've always wanted to prove there really was enough room for Jack on that door, <laughs> this is the cruise for you. Shipping company Blue Star Line is planning to take passengers on the newly built Titanic 2, and it will recreate the original's journey from Southampton to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I mean, New York City. It will go to New York City. <laughs> and then what, what's next? The Hindenburg slide? No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> The entrepreneur who wants to do this got off to a really good start when he hired a project manager for the ship's building, a person named, and I swear this is true, Clive Mensink. Oh, no. And what's amazing, because this guy's planning it, so you know what Clive Mensink is doing right now as we speak? He is arranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> would, you would you get on that, or would you think, God, the odds are well, they, it's going to go down? What are the odds? Wouldn't that suck, though, if, if you're on that and then it starts sinking, you're like, ah, come and on. And then, of course, there's inadequate lifeboats, and they go, we're sorry, totally accurate recreation. <laughs> <laughs> Come
Coming up, our panelists blind you with science in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Netflix, bringing you a new weekly series, Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. In this topical weekly show, the comedian and Daily Show alum dives deep and covers everything from politics to pop culture with a fresh point of view. Each episode uses comedy to cut through the noise, taking an in-depth look into issues and backed by research. Add him to your watch list. Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj premieres October 28th every Sunday, only on Netflix. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. I just interviewed Melissa McCarthy. This is what happens when you corner a rat. You corner me, I will chew through you. I'll chew through you. Yikes, thank goodness she's not that way in person. You can find our interview in the Fresh Air feed. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and here again is your host at the Chicago Theater in Chicago, Illinois. Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now, it's time for our Bluff the Listener game, and we'll be playing with our next panel. It is Amy Dickinson, Faith Saley, and Mo Rocca. <laughs> Call one triple eight. Wait, wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you are on. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Hey, Peter, this is Taylor, and I'm calling from Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, how are things in Madison, Taylor? Things in Madison are great. What do you do there in Madison? Uh, I'm finishing up some doctoral research, and I'm a part-time pilot, actually. Really? Are you flying commercially, or are you, like, uh, smuggling drugs over the border? What are you doing? Well, I can't tell you that officially, but what I can say is, unlike some Illinois-based airline carriers, we make it a point to be on time. Airplane burn, airplane burn. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, Taylor. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Taylor's topic? Way to go, Einstein. Every now and then, there is a terrible scandal in the world of science. Our panelists are going to tell you about one of those scandals that popped up this week. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win the voice of the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Absolutely. All right, Taylor. Let's hear first from Faith Saley. Dr. Charlotte Clymer and her husband, Dr. Peter Curran, have for decades been known as the sexiest couple in parasitology. They've always worn lab coats that say his and hers. And because their primary focus is on rectal parasites, they love to brag that the more crap they go through together, the stronger their marriage. But when Charlotte shockingly ran off with a hot young research assistant named Chad, Peter wanted revenge. And his revenge has rocked the world of microbiology with a macro court case. You see, when the cuckolded Peter recently discovered two new parasites, he decided to name them in honor of his wife's lover. The first is a tapeworm called Cystoda hirsuti caudata chad which, of course, is Latin for hairy-ass Chad. (laughs) The second is a whipworm that causes rectal prolapse, but only lives for 30 seconds. Peter named this species Trichurus prematurus advene chad, which means early arrival chad. (laughs) 
which is why Chad sued Peter for defamation in Baltimore County Circuit Court. In order for the organism's name to be legally considered libel, the habitual prematurity of the actual Chad's arrival had to be explicitly argued in front of a judge. Four of Chad's former girlfriends testified to the fact that his, shall we say, personal biological studies often ran out of funding before they could reach a satisfying conclusion. <laughs> which the judge dismissed the lawsuit as frivolous, but a great reminder of the benefits of studying Latin. <laughs> a lawsuit in which two new species of parasite were named for vengeance by a spurned lover. Your next story of a science screw-up comes from Amy Dickinson. Scientists in England have their British knickers in a twist over recent articles published by the British Journal of Sports Medicine that they say show a distinct and slimy pro-butter bias. These articles and opinion pieces encourage, nay, urge, people to stop eating their nutritious bowls of fresh kale and cabbage. Or, the journal suggests, if you must eat your salad, at the very least, you should top it off with a stick of creamy, full-fat butter. No, according to their studies, fatty fat is good for you. The medical journal is edited by a pro-butter cardiologist named Dr. Asim Malhorta, and his stance on fat is so controversial that 168 British scientists have now published an open letter attacking these studies, accusing them of being nothing more than butter-baked baloney. Dr. Malahorta declined to respond to the criticism directly, but he did quote George Bernard Shaw. I learned long ago never to wrestle with a pig, he said. You get dirty, and besides, the pig likes it. The doctor might have added, you could also butcher that pig, render its fat into lard, and spread it onto your morning cupcake. Pro-butter bias is the accusation at a British nutrition journal. And your last story of trouble in the lab comes from Mo Rocca. If you're going to play with fire, use your own fire. That's the message from the National Institutes of Health to researcher Ted Firth. By day, Firth works as a chemist with top-of-the-line Bunsen burners in an NIH laboratory. But by night, Firth is an aspiring flamboyant concert pianist. The problem is, Firth can't yet afford a candelabra, de rigueur, for flamboyant concert pianists. And so he's been using NIH Bunsen burners, grouping three of them together for his candelabra. Hence his stage name, Labaracci. <laughs> Bunsen burners have long been used for a variety of purposes. Young Robert Oppenheimer's family famously connected nine of them for a makeshift menorah during one Hanukkah in the Great Depression. But the NIH Bunsen burners are government property, not to be used for anything other than whatever it is you use Bunsen burners for. Firth has been suspended without pay. Labaracci has started a GoFundMe page for a real candelabra. Oh. All right. 
So something scandalous happened in science circles this week. Was it from Faith Saley, a man sued for naming two ugly parasites after his ex-wife and her lover? From Amy Dickinson, accusations of pro-butter bias at a prestigious British science journal. Or from Mo Rocca, Bunsen burners being misused by the concert pianist Labaracci. <laughs> Which of these is the real story of a scientific scandal? Uh, I think the answer is number two. You think oh. the answer is from Amy, the story of the oh. British Journal, with the controversy Taylor. over butter. Taylor, it's our 20th anniversary. Come on, man. <laughs> it's also Amy's, Mo. I mean, yeah. All right, well, we actually spoke, believe it or not, to one of the scientists involved with this real controversy. We are not pro-butter or anti-butter. What we take umbrage with is the suggestion that you can have as much as you want. That was Dr. Nicola Guess from King's College London, one of the scientists who accused the journal of having a pro-butter bias. Congratulations, <laughs> Taylor, you got it right. Well done. Uh, thank you. You earned a point for Amy Dickinson just for telling the truth. You've won our prize, the voice of your choice from anyone on our show for your voicemail. Thank you so much for playing with us today. Thank you. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thanks, Taylor. Take care, Taylor. And now the game, which for 20 years has confused hundreds of guests by asking them about things they don't know anything about. It's called Not My Job. 20 years ago, NPR took a big risk by launching our show. They were known for their serious journalism. What would we do to their reputation? I mean, Walter Cronkite had a great run, but he never had to say, and that's the way it is. And now, a man who stuffed 35 sausages down his pants. <laughs> so we thought we'd bring on two of those legends of journalism and ask how they handled it. Robert Siegel and Nina Totenberg, welcome back to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you. Happy anniversary. So, welcome back. You've both been on our show before. Robert, you have re you retired from after a long career at uh, I NPR. I did. I retired in January, yes. And, and, and uh, how are you doing? Do you I'm doing whatever I want to do. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's a lot of fun. Well, how are you spending your time? I uh, listen to some radio. I, I do anniversaries, 20th anniversaries, 30th anniversaries, yeah. <laughs> weddings, bar mitzvahs, yeah. birthday parties, <laughs> birthday parties. Whatever you need. Right. Do you, now that you're a listener at home, do you like to write in and correct people's grammar? Uh, no, I, I just talk to the radio. I, all those people who were shouting at their radios when I was inside the radio, yes. I'm one of them now. Right. <laughs> Nina, you're still at it. Uh, and are you still enjoying yourself after this, this many uh, years of uh, doing reports? Most of the time, yes. When I got a great story, yes. Yeah. About the eight, hour 18 that I'm on the air, and there have been a lot of those lately. Yeah. Uh, it gets a little old. Yeah. Well, I do know that one thing, you've been covering the Supreme Court for many years, but the party scene there is about to get lit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been lit before. I know. I, mean, I, know. I, I do want to ask you, um, so 20 years ago, NPR started this show, this humor show, and, and you guys were, I don't know, the backbone of NPR's serious reputation. What did you think of it? I thought it was just great. I loved it, and I loved to be invited, and that we have all these yes. great people here, and you. I, I don't know if the listening public knows this, but everybody at NPR, most especially Nina and Robert, but not only them, actually have tremendous senses of humor and, and kind of, I know this, you wish you could indulge it more on the air. 
So we wanted to ask you now <laughs> to go back to some stories and see if there's anything you wish you had been able to say. Do you realize how many people have a job to keep us from saying what we might I say? I understand that. I've that's seen a, them. That's a, that's a profession. I've yes. seen, I, 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 I used to watch you. Including you, go, you once. That's right. I was including in that. Including you once. What I happened? was in what that happened? line of work. I, I was hosting All Things Considered, and I somebody handed me live on the air what I was supposed to say, the intro to a Robert Crowich piece, yeah. and their hands had moved on the typewriter. And so that the, it was gibberish. Right. <laughs> that was the only thing wrong with the copy, as I recall. I looked at it, and I had not at that point done a lot of hosting, and I looked in the booth and I said, I can't read this. <laughs> and pointed at the booth to play the piece. Right. He was then the news director or vice president for yeah, news or whatever director, bloody yeah. title they gave you in those days. Yeah. Um, and he called me to his office. Yes. And he could barely conduct my reprimand because he was laughing so hard. <laughs> and I, I said to him, well, what should I have done? And he said, you could have said we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I have ever since used that. We're ha if you have, hear me say we're having technical difficulties, that means I don't know what the freaking hell is going on. <laughs> you, two, you two are so famous to, uh, to many people, but a very specific group of people. And you're also... You're also not recognizable like you ha we have to close our eyes to be like oh there are those famous people right <laughs> so what what is the funniest or most memorable fan encounter you've had I, I remember there was a period when uh, the typical Washington cab driver uh, had a graduate degree from a university somewhere in East Africa or in the Horn of Africa and they drove around all day and they all listened to NPR nonstop and um, I must have had in the course of a couple of months three different cab drivers with whom I had the following conversation, which was, you're, you're uh, Carl Castle? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I would say, uh, no, no, I'm on in the episode. Uh, uh, Scott Simon? No, no, I'm Robert Siegel. Oh, Robert Siegel! Your, your, your coverage of Eritrea is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert Siegel and Nina Totenberg, we are delighted to have you here, but you know the drill. We have asked you here to play a game we're calling Robert Siegel Meet Actual Siegel. Nina uh -huh. <laughs> Totenberg Meet Actual Totenbag. <laughs> <laughs> you two have been subject to terrible puns about your names for your entire career, so why not make a game out of them? Answer <laughs> two out of three questions correctly. You'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice on their voicemail. Bill, who are Nina and Robert playing for? Gail Nicholson of Westland, Michigan. All right. Seagulls seem like a nuisance, but some groups over the years have made use of them. How? A, fishermen in Nicaragua tied them to their boats like flying sled dogs. <laughs> B, Inuit people used to stuff a dead seagull in a bottle of water and let it ferment, making seagull wine. Or C, Polynesians used to train them to race with each other, and they did it by making them chase a fake herring tied to a kite. Herring? Well, uh, not only Polynesians, people across the street from my elementary school did this, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that one. We're really? going for herring. You're going <laughs> yeah. Sadly, it really was seagull wine. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it's apparently, uh, you know, oh. 
Seagull oh. wine was terrible, but they apparently it, ah, it did the let job. The seagulls I, race around a little I bit. I know, I know. Okay, here's your next question. Other attempts to make use of seagulls have failed, though, such as which of these? A, during World War One, the British Navy tried to teach gulls to poop on submarine periscopes, blinding the crewmen inside. <laughs> B, Amazon tried to train seagulls to deliver light packages to ships at sea. <laughs> <laughs> or C, a buddy movie starring a seagull and Steven Seagal stopped shooting. <laughs> <laughs> when Steven Seagal sexually harassed the seagull and it quit. <laughs> well, um, um the periscope. B? <laughs> a. They'll they think it's the poop. This show, always go for the poop or the, the fart. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay. The, 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 we'll the go with the poop joke. We'll yeah. go with the, the poop. The and of course, the that's the right yeah. one. Nice. The idea, the idea <laughs> was they would train these seagulls yeah. by coating a fake periscope with food, and the idea is that seagulls would then see one, swarm it, poop about it, and that would end the German threat. It worked with my uh, windshield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so your last question, if you get it, you win, is right. of course now about tote bags. Good. <laughs> you still have to try to answer it. I know, I know. I know. Everybody loves tote bags, of course. Well, people did not like a certain tote bag that was put out by a Georgia company last year. Why? A, it was a, quote, security tote made of lead with a lock on it, so it weighed 43 pounds. <laughs> B, it was the talking tote programmed to say amusing things when you put stuff in it, like arugula again? <laughs> or C, thanks to an error, it praised Hitler on the side. It's the third one. It's the Hitler one. It is, in fact, the oh, Hitler good, one. Good. The tote bag was supposed to say, my favorite color is glitter, spelled in glitter. But due to a really poor choice of a cursive font, the word glitter really looked like the word Hitler. <laughs> so it's, it seemed to say, my favorite color is Hitler, uh, and spelled in glitter. <laughs> Bill, how did Robert and Nina do in our quiz? They did brilliantly. <laughs> Two out of three. Two out of three. Robert Siegel and Nina Totenberger, NPR legends. Robert is now walking into people's homes and listening to them. <laughs> Nina <laughs> is polishing her Brett Kavanaugh impression. Robert and Nina, thank you so thank much you. for joining us for this special show. Robert Siegel, Nina Totenberger. In just a minute, wedding bells are ringing in our listener limerick challenge. Call one triple eight. Wait, wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology finds the right people for you and actively invites them to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. based on hiring sites with over 1,000 reviews on Trustpilot. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com wait. Election Day is just a few weeks away, and some are saying it could be a year of the woman. We're talking to Democrat Stacey Abrams and Republican Elizabeth Hang, two women trying to excite their parties in 2018. That's next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.
From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and here again is your host at the Chicago Theater in Chicago, Illinois, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill thinks back on those 20 years and all the good rhymes we've had together. <laughs> it's our Listener Limerick Challenge game. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one 888 wait That's one 888 Now it's time for some more questions from this week's news. And the panel we're playing with right now is Adam Burke, Nagin Farsad, and Adam Felber. Hello. Hey. Hey. Hi. Hi. All right, you, haven't guys, you guys haven't had a chance to warm up. You ready to jump right in? Totally. Oh, there we go. We've never been on a panel together. Really? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. That's true. I've that's never true. been on a panel with either of these guys. It's weird. I've never I don't to, like it. I've never had to differentiate between the atoms before. It's, right. got, it's got like that fresh panel smell. Yeah, it's right. true. <laughs> Adam Burke, yeah. the success of the game Pokemon Go has inspired a number of knockoff versions where players can go around trying to catch things other than Pokemon. This week, what group released their version of a virtual reality hunting game. Um, so things you would go out and hunt? Well, you know how Pokemon Go works, right? Yeah, you uh, hold oh, your phone to the world and you see little oh, monsters and capture them. Yeah. Isn't that just called LSD? Um, <laughs> by the way, it's a bacchanal backstage. It's mad. If you've never been, to a, never been to an NPR party, people are using library cards to cut up lines of Claritin. It's like... <laughs> There's a wet cardigan competition. It's mad. Yeah. I still have no idea what the answer is. You still have no idea about it. <laughs> but you're stalling eloquently. Oh, yeah. You could call it Popimon Go. Oh, is it to find saints? Is it the Catholic Church? No, well, yes, the Catholic, the big Catholic Church, the Vatican. They're, they're playing Pokemon Go, their own version. It's just like Pokemon Go without all the false idols. The... <laughs> The Vatican has tried to use video games for education and tourism before, like their disastrous version of Tetris, in which every shape was a cross. <laughs> yeah. Hard to, hard to play. <laughs> but Thank is you. this the kind of thing where they walk around the Vatican and it's like if you turn on your phone and look through it, you can see like a bleeding, dying saint or something? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, exactly. You yeah. can walk around and they're like, you can see holy figures, you know, from church history and the, and the saints and you can, there are blessings around from the Pope you can Catch pick up. Catch them in little balls. Yeah, no, the, yeah, exactly. So then do you go to heaven if you win? <laughs> Like, what do you get? I don't you know. It depends. You got to catch them all, you know? Uh, right. <laughs> the game is available, of course, on PlayStation. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. And Xbox 316. Okay. It's in. <laughs> <laughs> after a number of complaints, Kleenex has announced it will stop marketing their extra large tissues as tissues for whom? Oh, like. Like people who do cocaine and they have a lot of like runoff from it. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. Ring that bell. Yeah. <laughs> Kleenex presents Scarface tissue. No. Wait, can you? You're okay. going too far. All right. It was perceived that this was sexist to market large size tissues in what way? Uh, to women. Try the other. To met. Yes. 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 <laughs> we got you there, Nagin. They're called. They were called man-sized tissues, which was a problem. If you're a man like me, you cry a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think there should be other designations of tissue, you know what I mean? Like extra absorbent widow strength tissue. You know, yeah, I know. Just like, it's a real thick. No, they were called man-sized tissues, and they had really, ones for really insecure men, magnum tissues. <laughs> 
or like yeah, those are no, ribbed. No, yeah. no, no, no. But like for real masculine men, for proud boys, it's just an empty box. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you cry on your own yeah. face, damn it. No, the you open it up, it's just a picture of your dad looking at you disapprovingly. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank with a special all-star edition. But first, it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. And we'll be playing right now with Tara Clancy, Luke Burbank, and Brian Babylon. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Hi, you are on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hi, this is Kimberly from Chicago. Chicago. Hey. We're in Chicago. Chicago. Do, do you want to come on okay. down? We'll wait. I, I'm actually only a few blocks away. I'm right across from the Merchandise Mart in my office. You're. Oh yeah. And what do you What do you do here? I work with trade associations and nonprofit organizations. Oh, that's good. Great. Well, it's very good to have you, Kimberly. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly in two of the limericks, you will be a winner. You ready to play? I am ready. All right, here's your first limerick. Since I can't get my gut to get flatter, I am feeding my bridesmaids raw batter. Oh, make no mistake. That's no diet shake. I need all those girls to look better. Yes! <laughs> An essay in the Australian publication Women details a bride's sinister, but we are told very real plot to look amazing and be the center of attention on her big day. Her plan, make sure the bridesmaids looked terrible. First, she selected neon yellow bridesmaid dresses that made them, quote, washed out and slightly ill. But she also regularly fed them breakfast shakes that she would spike with a protein powder for people who want to bulk up. She's Cosbian shakes? Yeah, I know. It's bad. We read this story, and presumably it was presented as true. I did this, and, you know, they've forgiven me. They lost it the way she said. But we were, could not believe that a, 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 even the worst bridezilla would actually sabotage her own bridesmaids. Tara, you, I, you had a wedding at one point. Did you have bridesmaids at this wedding? I, I did not have any bridesmaids at the wedding. But if I did, I just would have made them wear suits, you know? I yeah. would have wanted them to look like me, you know, just butch out for a day. <laughs> Which is a lot more empowering than being like, here, I'm going to, like, you know, fatten you up. <laughs> here is your next limerick. Sometimes when my feelings are hurt, my man's laundry I'll briefly divert. For I feel relieved when I'm sniffing his sleeves. I start smelling his old dirty... Shirt? Yes! <laughs> Researchers at Stockholm University released a new study showing that women de-stress by smelling their partner's dirty shirts. Peter. It was, it was the result of an experiment in which 34 women were repeatedly given electric shocks to stress them out. <laughs> and then given stuff to smell. Science! <laughs> I love this. You gotta love straight women. They're like, I need to be de-stressed. I don't want the man himself. No. Just the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Here is your last limerick. You humans with snorkels and small fins, quit bugging us. Go take up golf in. When you're lurking above, 
We don't want to make love. You have ruined the sex lives of... Dolphins! Dolphins! According to a new study, dolphins that spend time around humans have less interest in mating. The researchers examined spinner dolphins that swim in Hawaii near tourists and noted their declining sex lives. So not only are we ruining the ocean with our garbage, we're also blowhole blocking the dolphins. <laughs> now the question is, is it because she was like, she has seen a human in a Speedo and she's like, that is what I now want to have? Or is it because she saw a German tourist in a Speedo and she's like, I can never have sex with anything yeah, pretty much. again for the rest of my life? We're just, we're just not good for dolphins in the mood. Bill, how did Kimberly do in our quiz? What a champion. She nailed it. Got Con him all right. Congratulations, Kimberly. You've won our game. Your all prize, right. the voice of anyone you like. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from MailChimp. It might sound like MailChimp just does email marketing, but they actually do a lot more to help your business grow. Because growth looks different to everyone, MailChimp helps guide you to the right marketing decisions for your business. From audience management to ad campaigns and automation, MailChimp, they do more than mail. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream. If you love documentaries, then CuriosityStream will be your new happy place. From the founder of the Discovery Channel, finally, a streaming service for nerds, where you can binge watch shows on science, history, nature, and more. With over 2,000 films and series and apps on most devices, there's truly something for everyone. Try it for 30 days free at curiositystream.com NPR and enter that promo code NPR. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill in the Blank. For this special 20th anniversary edition, we have all of our panelists here on stage together, combining all their weaknesses into three powerful teams. <laughs> We've selected team captains. Congratulations to the panelists with the most ever losses in the history of this show. That would be Brian Babylon, Maz Jobrani, and Paula Poundstone. Yep. Thank you. All right. First up, Brian, it's your team. What is your team name, Brian? We are the Illuminati. All right. Here we go. Fill in the blank. Brian, on Thursday, the Pentagon announced it was sending 800 agents to the border in response to the blank. The horde of immigrants that was walking to our nation like zombies. Right. <laughs> Roxanne, on Monday, a Russian man was charged with conspiring to interfere with blank. The elections. Right. Mo, after being released from a prison in Kansas, a man celebrated his freedom by blanking in the parking lot. Wait, after, uh, sorry, I'm sorry. After a man was released from the parking lot in Kansas, he celebrated his freedom? He was released from a prison. He was re released from a prison. He was released from a prison. <laughs> and then he went to the parking lot. The rest wait. of you can leave. Mo and I will work no, no, this no, no, out. No, 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 no. So, wait, hold on. No, a man was released from prison. Of course he celebrated. But what did he do to celebrate in the parking lot? He committed a crime and got arrested. He did. He stole a car. Nagin. <laughs> Nagin, <laughs> on yes. Wednesday, the blank. On Nagin, on Wednesday, the blank closed 608 points down, erasing the gains made in 2018. The Dow Jones. Yes. Tom Bodette, this week a woman rushing to get to a meeting at a mall in China was delayed when she blanked. I knew I was going to get this question. I knew it. Um, when she, um, when this guy got out of prison and... 
<laughs> and he stole her car. No! She didn't make the meeting on time because she fell into the mall's shark tank at feeding time. What? Now, a lot of you are probably asking, why the hell is there an open shark tank in the middle of a shopping mall? And really, your first question should be, is that woman okay, you monsters? Yeah. I'm she glad is fine. I didn't know the answer. She is fine. She swam around with the sharks, which were like, oh my God, they deliver, but they didn't act on it. This was in China? This was in China. Where Maybe they had that's a, their version of the show Shark Tank. That's true. <laughs> she fell in. There's a bunch of sharks. Mark Cuban. Who knew? <laughs> Bill, how did Brian's team, the Illuminati, do on our show? Well, they got four right for eight more points, and that puts them in the leap. Wow. We need it. Wow. Right. Next up is Maz Jobrani's team. What's your team name? Our team is Mount Perf, otherwise known in French as Montperf. Montperf. All right, Montperf. Here we go. Fill in the blank. Maz, this week, President Recep Erdogan called on Saudi Arabia to let Turkey adjudicate the death of journalist blank. The uh, Khashoggi. Yes, Khashoggi. Faith. On Sunday, thousands took to the streets in London to demand a new vote on blank. Brexit. Right. Peter, this week, a GOP congressman in Illinois regretfully declined an invite to meet President Trump saying blank. Okay, sorry, there was a fish who rode a bicycle in a storm? Is that, no? No, he said he'd already agreed to march in the Sycamore Pumpkin Fest Parade. Roy, following a surprise third quarter profit, shares in electric car company blank jumped by almost 10%. I don't want to just say one word. I mean, I, I've been waiting, I've been waiting back there, I've been waiting here. Tesla. <laughs> Tara, a waitress at a family restaurant, ended her very first day in the job surrounded by police after she accidentally blanked. Fainted. No, she accidentally pressed the 911 emergency call button 348 times. <laughs> We're all nervous. On your first day at work, you do nervous things. Maybe you click a pen or you reorganize the papers, and then she saw this small button near the register, so she just started pressing it. She kept pressing it throughout the day, never realizing every time she did it, she was calling the police. They ended up surrounding the restaurant with guns drawn. In any event, residents of her town are happy to know that if they need the police, they only need to call 911 348 times, and they'll be right there. And they will finally show up. How did Maz's team, Malpeoff, do on our show? Three points, six more. That means they trail Brian's team. All right. Now, yes. our last right. team, our we last got team. This, we got this, Danforth dancers. All right. So this is Paula Poundstone leading the Danforth dancers. Bill, how many do, does Paula's team need to win? Four to tie, five to win. All right, four to tie, five to win. Here we go. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Paula, on Monday it was reported that the Trump administration was considering narrowing the legal definition of blank. Uh, uh, marriage? No, in this case, gender. Amy, on Wednesday a federal judge ordered election officials in blank to stop rejecting absentee ballots with mismatched signatures. Oh, uh, the great state of Georgia. In fact, you're right. Adam Burke, a town in Florida, has become the first U.S. city to use a fully autonomous school bus. They celebrated another milestone this week when they became the first U.S. city to blank. I have fully autonomous school children. No. <laughs> They're the first town to have the federal government tell them to stop using the fully autonomous school bus. That's crazy. Luke Burbank, this week Colorado broke $1 billion in legal blank sales, generating $200 million in tax revenue. Is there a shark tank involved? No. <laughs> Marijuana, Luke. Oh, that was my second guess. I'm sure. 
and Adam Felber, the wedding of Taylor and Kern Lehman was announced in the New York Post this week along with the headline blank. Couple falls into Shark Tank. No. I married my best friend's dad and now I'm her stepmom. Yeah. Despite a 25-year age difference and the awkwardness of asking your best friend to call you mom, Taylor says the two make a great couple, noting they like the same music and are both old souls. Mr. Kern is also physically old. <laughs> Bill, did Paula's team do well enough to win? No. <laughs> they did get one right. One right. It's Brian. Brian. Brian's team. Thanks again to Wix for sponsoring our 20th anniversary live show and special thanks to Barry Sorkin and Smoke BBQ in Chicago for feeding us. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord, Philip Godica writes our limericks, our public address announcer is Paul Friedman, our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran and Mary DeOlio, our interns are Zoe Lowenberg and Catherine Coates, our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Lederman composed our theme, our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King. Our 20th anniversary present is Peter Gwynn. Special thanks to Katie Burke, technical directions from Lorna White. Thanks also to Nick Gibson and Gary Yeck and Timothy Powell of Metro Mobile. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. All right, Bill Curtis, tell us what will be the top story on the 40th anniversary edition of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. What'll happen in 20 years? We'll all meet up right back here at the Chicago Theater for a big old party. And if any of us are still single then, we'll get married to each other. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to all of our panelists, every single one. WBEZ Chicago, the staff and crew of the Chicago Theater. Thanks to our fabulous audience for coming out to celebrate with us. Thanks to all of you for listening. I am Peter Sagal, and we'll see you in 20 years. This is NPR.